Welcome to Gin and Topics Tasting Room. I'm swapping Anya for Emma, our resident gin expert, the little monkey. And she's going to tell us about the gin that we drank this week, what we should have tasted, and what we could do with the rest of the bottle. So pour a glass and join us in a little gin tasting. So what's it going to be, Emma? Is it going to be a normal gin, Please. a sort yes. of yes. stalwart gin mm-hmm. that we could recognise as a gin, or is it dark side? And I know I should probably, you know, start with something awful and finish with something great, but right now all I want is a proper gin. Please. Okay, well, I am going to give you a proper gin and I'm delighted to be giving you a proper gin because, you know, we love our proper gins. We do. And from our tankery last week, we are going Sipsmiths. Yay! And we're doing another proper London dry gin. But I'm assuming Sipsmiths is a little younger. It hasn't been around (laughs) quite a long time. Not, yeah, I mean, Tanqueray, what, 1830s, a little bit more recent with Sepp Smith in uh, 2009. <laughs> Though, you know... No, yeah, just a little, little more recent. Exactly, a little bit of a difference. Um, but, I mean, to taste, it is pretty classic and everything. We'll get to that in a bit. But it is a very classic London dry style of gin um, with a bit of maybe a modern twist. And it's interesting because if you go to the supermarket and you're looking at the gins, you know, Sipsmith stands with the kind of beef eaters and the tankeries and the Whitney Neals as being just your, your guaranteed London dry gin. Yeah. Apart from when they do all the flavoured stuff <laughs> and all the different things. Yeah. But it does stand there with them, even though it's not been there as long it does they very much kind of position themselves in that way they want to be seen alongside those big stalwarts of gin um yes they are newer yes they are fresher and yes they've got a slightly more modern interpretation but they are making a solid classic style of gin and they are doing it bloody well and the fact that this bottle is the official partner with Wimbledon, you know, having, you know, done the whole Wimbledon this year, that is the positioning of the marketing too. Exactly. It's just, it's quintessentially you know, British. We're a gin. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. we do actually have Sipsmith a lot, uh, a lot to thank them for. Um, so Sam Fairfad, Fairfax and Jared set up Sipsmith back in 20, uh, 2009. But at that time... There were no small craft distilleries in London. So there hadn't been any new distillation oh. licenses granted for a copper still in over 200 years. So, wow. um, yeah. So, I mean, they kind of knew what they were doing. Uh, you know, one of them worked for Diageo. One of them worked for Fuller's. They could see that gin was kind of building momentum. They thought, let's bring it back to London. They, you know, and it, London's kind of ginny roots. They looked for someone who knew what they were doing. I mean, they've got Jared Brown, cocktail historian, all-round master of palettes, and um, also, you know, just very knowledgeable about gin. So he came on board as their master distiller. Mm. Um, They got all very excited, started everything, and then went to HMRC and said, hello, we'd like to open up a gin distillery. And they went, oh, no, at that that size, it's moonshine. Get out of town. What are you cowboys doing? And they were like, no, no, we're going to make, you know, London craft gin in London. It's all very exciting. Uh, 
And they went, oh, no. So um, it took them, I think, about two years to go through the process. Yeah. yeah, and just convince them that they weren't charlatans, they weren't bootleggers, they weren't just, you know, coming along on a women of prayer and a tiny little still and making whatever and flogging it to the public, uh, that they did have aspirations. And this wasn't going to be a repeat of the gin slums of the 1800s. Well, exactly. It wasn't going to pull all the women into disrepute. <laughs> Exactly. Only so, um, you know, um, it was quite cute as well. So they, um, when I when I used to live in Hammersmith, which was where their first uh, distillery was, kind of in between Hammersmith and Shepherd's Bush, they got very excited when they finally got their uh, distillation license. Uh, at this point, they were expecting it to be written on this big scroll. I hereby, whatever, the, yeah. after all this rigmarole. <laughs> and actually all it did was it was a piece of paper that was obviously torn out of a notebook in triplicate type thing. Um, they framed it, put it on the oh. wall. I think about a year later, uh, about a year later, they realised that it'd been misdated, so they'd been technically distilling maybe slightly illegally for a little while because <laughs> whoever wrote on the piece of paper cocked up the number. They did have the license; it was just a piece of paper. But yeah, so um, a lot of Excellent. things to love about this brand, what they were trying to achieve when they set out, and you know what they did achieve. There are so many gin distilleries in London now and all over the yeah. UK. Um, you know, that might not have been possible. They kind of paved the way, uh, both in the legality of it, but also in the enthusiasm and everything they were bringing to the gin category, which was pretty cool. So so whilst they might not have been around as long as Tanqueray that we had last week, yeah. they are, they've been around for a long time of the, the new breed Absolutely. of gins because they really kicked it off for everyone. Yeah, they were some of the first. I mean, you've got your kind of Bombay Sapphires and your Hendrix and things that were starting to put gin in kind of this premium or, yeah. you know, it wasn't something that your nan just drank. Uh, it was it was cool to drink a gin and tonic. Um, but yeah, 2009 definitely kick-started the smaller distillery movement all over the UK and these guys were some of the first to do that. So Hats off. Brilliant. Okay. History days. enough. I need my nose in here. <laughs> I need to start tasting it. What we got? So you've got 10 botanicals, all very classic, all things mm. that we've found before in gins. Um, it's, it is quite difficult when you're starting to make a gin, I think, and some distillers do get a bit carried away with themselves. Let's put a bit of this in, a bit of that in. Um, when I used to run the um, the distillation uh, sessions at City of London Distillery, where you get a pot and you get to put your own botanicals in, it would be very much me <laughs> wrangling members of the public not to put every single thing in the still. Uh, yeah, that's me. That's me. Everything yeah, in. Yeah. It's a bit like chemistry lessons at school. I'd be throwing everything in. I'd be rootling around <laughs> in my bag, in my pencil case. I'm like, yeah, bit of Pritt stick, bit of this, bit of that. Exactly. You know, I'd be a nightmare. I'd just be adding everything. It would taste horrible. So, I mean, that was where Jared came into his own, really, you know, bringing it back to, you know, your your classic botanicals, but then putting it together in a way that's, you know, gives it a slight modern twist. So you've got juniper, coriander, mm. angelica, our holy trinity of gin botanicals. Uh, you've then got mm. licorice and orris, two other types of root. Uh, so licorice adds a little bit of sweetness in the mouthfeel, like it did for the tanqueray. Orris root as well, a little bit more floral. Uh, you've got cassia mm. and cinnamon, so two different types of cinnamony cinnamon. Um, orange and lemon to brighten it up. And then you've actually got ground almonds in here as well. Um, oh. Yeah, so uh, almonds go into beef eater as well. It me- makes it a little bit kind of creamy. It's almost a bit of a uh, kind of 
Um, what's the Battenberg? That's it. What's the... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, what's that pink and yellow thing? Battenberg kind of idea. <laughs> uh, but mostly it just kind of uh, rounds out the edges of your dread and makes it incredibly smooth. Um, so yeah, and anyone with a nut allergy, do not worry. All the allergens stay in the still. Um, you can drink a gin perfectly well that has any nice. kind of nut in there. There's no need to worry. So yeah, do you have a sip? Brilliant. Yeah, definitely. Oh, oh, it's very drinkable, isn't it? Now, all I'm hunting for now is almond because <laughs> I'm desperate to find it. And I can I can get that just on the finish, maybe slightly. Yeah, you might not have picked up on it if I hadn't said something. But yeah, there is something just on that no, kind I of wouldn't. finish. I mean, it starts off big juniper. I but all I can see is Battenberg, <laughs> Battenberg in a glass. <laughs> Well, maybe we should make, um, oh, what is it, an army and navy with uh, orgeat with it. Um, that would be delicious. Yeah. Cocktail, citrus, nutty, gin. Lovely. <sighs> that sounds good. But yeah, I mean, you've got buckets of juniper at front. You've got the lemon. Kicks off quite nicely at the front of your palate as well. You've got spiced pepper in the middle. Back to juniper. Mm-hmm. Maybe a bit of kind of sweet orange with your with your almond at the end. It's just and it just has this incredible smoothness to it. Forty one point six percent. Yeah, it does. Very drinkable. Very drinkable. More complex than last week, but not in a jarring kind of way. It's no. really um, all sits together. What would happen if I add tonic to it? Then will that just Ooh. smooth it all out more? See, It'll- look, I sound as if I know what I'm talking about. It'll make it love... Oh, look at all the uh, delicious sounds of us opening bottles of tonic. <laughs> um, but yeah, you've got... The bubbles will help to pull some of maybe the more citrusy flavours across, I find. Um, so that extra mm. dilution. And obviously the quinine helps with that as well. It does become more citrusy, sweeter, yeah. less of that, I don't know, earthy or nutty sort of feel to it. Yeah. I mean... A gin like Sipsmith, it is delicious in a gin and tonic. And their cans of gin and tonic are actually some yeah. of the best on the market. Just really well put together. But I always just want it in a martini. Oh, really? Yeah. Let's just not add too much to it. Let's let it shine by itself. Um, stare it down. Bit of vermouth. Lemon twist over the top. Ugh. <gasps> so happy. Oh, that sounds heaven. I might have to have one of those afterwards. Lovely. Well, thank you, Sipsmith. Thank you, Emma. That is really good. Thank you for everything you've done, Sipsmith, for the gin industry, yeah. for our palates today. <laughs> Cheers to them and their battle with HMRC and their scraggy <laughs> bit of paper with a wrong date on it. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. So there you go. That was this week's gin. And if you haven't listened to the topic that we paired with the gin, then why don't you do that now with the rest of your glass? And if you want to share what you're pairing your gin with and what you're going to do with the rest of your bottle, then join us on social media at Topic Gin. And of course, listen again next week for another topic and quite a few more gins. See you then. Cheers. Cheers.